Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is the Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Lawton Show, Canada's most irreverent talk show here on True North. Not in the usual digs today. I'm actually coming to you from the Arthur Meehan Lounge in the Albany Club, the uh, conservative hotspot in Canada and has been for many, many years now. Former conservative prime ministers have graced this establishment and they somehow let the likes of me in here. So we're going to do a very special edition of the show and it is uh, special for a couple of reasons, not just because we're at the Albany Club, but also my friend and colleague, well actually my boss, not my colleague, uh, Candace Malcolm is going to swing by. We were able to just pull her back from her maternity leave for a little bit uh, to chat about the state of True North, the state of independent media in Canada, and what an important topic that is with the news of yesterday that Bill C-11, the Liberal government's internet regulation bill, has finally become law. And this is something that I don't want to understate the significance of, because the government's whole MO on this, their whole strategy in selling this bill was that it was benign. We just wanted to celebrate Canadian stories. We wanted to celebrate Canadian content. And the little joke that I told on the show and told on Twitter a few months ago was that I think the way we kill Bill C-11 is to have Rebel and True North and the Western Standard and all of these other unacceptable Canadian outlets form some PSA group and run ads thanking the government for highlighting our stories. Because after all, we're Canadian content, so we should be the ones that are forced onto your home pages when Bill C-11 passes. Now, that's not going to happen. And let me be clear, I don't want it to happen. I don't want government to give us or anyone a leg up in manipulating algorithms on social media. What I want is for government to let the internet be what the internet is supposed to be, which is a place that people can go and have access to a wealth of content from around the world and on which they can seek out what they want to watch on their own, for their own reasons. So I don't want to just use this topic as a, a basically taking the position that you already know what's happening here. So I'm going to just give you the 60-second primer on Bill C-11. Bill C-11 does a couple of things. The first and foremost is that it expands the CRTC's regulatory purview from TV and radio stations to the internet, and specifically to internet content. The second part of that is it imposes all of these regulations on content that it has on TV and radio, notably Canadian content, which is why uh, we've all heard Justin Bieber and Celine Dion and Nickelback more times than we'd like to. Actually, the last time I said that, I got like an, a, a very, a very pointed email from someone who didn't like that I took a swipe at Nickelback. So I'm not taking a swipe at it. I'm just saying that this is the reason we hear more Canadian content than we might normally in a market-based system. I'll just put it that way. Uh, but they're going to take all of these Canadian content rules that they put on radio and TV and put them on the internet. Now, the great thing about the internet is that you can actually listen to or watch what you want when you want. You don't need the government to tell you. You don't need the government to say, oh, you must have 30% Canadian content to be a radio station. You must have this much Canadian news to be a TV station. You can actually say, you know what? Uh, I want to hear what's happening in India today. I'm going to go over and read uh, something in the Delhi Times. Or you say, you know what? I really love K-pop. I really love Korean music. I'm going to go and listen to all the K-pop. And it's actually, if you want to take the Liberals' own identity politics playbook and use it against them, uh, their imposition of Canadian content on people's YouTube homepages is actually a little bit racist. 
because now they're telling people that content that they might be ethnically or culturally or religiously connected to is not Canadian content. Imagine being a Korean Canadian and you log online and you want to watch show, I don't know, something from your home and native land of South Korea. And instead you have to watch Brittle Star, the, you know, quintessentially inferior uh, Canadian content provider. Like that's basically what's happening here. We are banalifying the internet to just make up a word. But that is only if this works the way the liberals say it's going to work. I actually think it's going to be much worse than that. Because at best, at best, what C11 does is forces us to have Canadian content on our homepage and starts burying and hiding other things that might be of interest to us that we don't want. And, and the government said, well, we don't do the algorithm. No, but the government is forcing YouTube and Netflix and Facebook and Twitter to have these algorithms. They don't need to do it. In fact, a government-programmed algorithm would probably not work at all. You would just get an error message on every page. So that's the, the government's goal for C11. The nefarious side of this, which I don't think is off base, is that they're going to start looking not just at country of origin for content, but the content of the content, the substance of the content. They're going to start saying, well, hang on, uh, it's not just that we need to elevate Canadian content. Maybe we need to elevate non-controversial Canadian content, or maybe only liberal content. Maybe J.J. McCullough, who's one of the most successful uh, YouTubers in Canada, very Canadian, maybe he's not Canadian enough. The guy says a boot for crying out loud. It doesn't get more Canadian than J.J. McCullough, but maybe the Liberals don't want to put him on the homepage because they'd rather put someone else. Maybe they'd rather put Justin Trudeau's selfie videos that he, you know the ones I'm talking about, maybe that's what Canadian content is to the government. So at best, C11 is just about neutralizing the internet and making it all Canadian all the time. At worst, it's about government picking and choosing which voices can be seen and which voices can be heard. And this is something that regulates the individual user experience. And I want to talk about the politics of this now, because this bill took years. It was originally in the previous parliament before the 2021 election, Bill C-10. And then there was a bunch of controversy. You had a few people that were jumping up and down about it. Aaron O'Toole, it was one of the few issues he took a very clear position on. He was against it. And then the election came and the bill died. And then they brought it back as C-11 in the current parliament. And a lot of the controversy actually grew. You've had even some academics that are not conservatives, people like Michael Geist that are saying, whoa, 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 why do we want to do this to the internet? And this controversy has put a bit of pressure on politicians. It put a bit of pressure on the Senate. But the Senate failed Canadians. We were all told that the sober second thought is the promise of the Senate, that they're going to be able to be reflective and really get into the meat of things and really have hearings and committee witnesses and all of that. And they did that. They proposed amendments and the Liberals said, <laughs> screw you. And then they went back to the Senate and the Senator said, no, but we put amendments on. And the Liberals said, meh. And then the Senate said, okay, fine, we'll pass it anyway. So the Justin Trudeau version of the Senate is that it's independent, that all of these people he appointed are not actually Liberals. They're all independent Senators. And a couple of them have found a voice and a couple of them have found a backbone along the way. But the Senate failed Canadians. The Senate actually did not care enough about free speech and internet freedom to push back against this. All of these Trudeau-appointed senators prove that they are far from independent, not that there's ever much question about that, 
but that's what they claim. They even call themselves the Independent Senators Group. Well, uh, they are certainly a group and they are certainly senators, but independent they are not. And then Thursday night, uh, basically minutes after the Senate passed it, it's off to uh, Governor General Mary Simon, signed into law. Now, one of the things that C-11 does, which I think is an important point here, is it puts on CRTC the goal of coming up with the regulations. So not all of the regulations are in the law itself. The CRTC, which is appointed bureaucrats, unelected appointed bureaucrats, uh, they have to come up with some of the nitty-gritty details of how this is going to work, which means there's another battle right now. And, and C-11 had passed the Senate, and I think like 30 minutes later, there was this statement that was put out by one of these cultural activist groups that was calling for the CRDC to expand it. I want to read that for you. This is the Coalition for the Diversity of Cultural Expressions. They supposedly represent 360,000 creators and 2,900 cultural enterprises. would love to see how much uh, that is just propped up by subsidy every year. Uh, they're cheering the passage of Bill C-11, and they say this. It's in all bold, so you know it's important. In the coming months, the government will issue a policy direction to the CRTC, and the latter will then have the important responsibility of developing the rules that will apply to each of the new services that are now clearly under its jurisdiction, i.e. audiovisual and audio streaming services and social media. And social media. So this group supposedly standing up for cultural expressions is actually calling on the CRTC to expand this to cover social media. All of that quote-unquote user-generated content that uh, Stephen Gilbo was claiming wasn't actually really caught up by it. And they're now saying we need rules on social media, rules governing what you can tweet, what you can post. Uh, you could follow all the people you want, but if you don't follow enough Canadian people on your homepage, you may not even see those you're following. You may not even see those that you are seeking out. So the reason I am so passionate about this is twofold. First and foremost, I believe in free speech, and I believe uh, freedom of speech, as the Supreme Court of Canada has even said, is not just about the right to speak, but it's about the right to hear. It is about the right to hear what other people have spoken, to read what other people have written. Uh, freedom of speech is not just about the rights of the utterer of speech, it's about the rights of the receiver. And that point has actually not really been articulated all that much in the battle over C-11, but I think it is quite a significant one. You all have a vested interest in my right, well, may, maybe not. As some of you who may like the stuff I talk about have a vested interest in my right to speak my mind, in True North's right to be on these platforms, and in True North's ability to be seen. Look, we have a website, we have a mailing list, we have an audience that we directly connect with and communicate with, and we always, always get messages from people that say, uh, you know, I don't like YouTube, why aren't you on Rumble? So we set up a Rumble page, and then we're on Rumble, and someone says, well, I don't like Rumble, why aren't you on BitChute? And then we, I don't know if we have a BitChute page, and then someone will be like, you know, why I, you know, I don't uh, use BitChute, why are you not on, like, you know, Pork Television, or something? I don't know, it's just, people come up with the most obscure video streaming services, and, and we don't have the capacity to upload to every single one of them for you know five viewers, but there is something to the idea of diversifying where we are, which is why we have a website, it's why we have YouTube, it's why we have Facebook, it's why we have Rumble. Now Twitter has basically rolled out the ability to have full-length videos, and I don't know what's gonna happen, but I have a feeling we may end up posting more video content on Twitter as well. 
because the whole point is that you have to be able to be nimble and adapt when one platform takes you offline. Because in this day and age, YouTube could say, oh, you uh, said that lockdowns don't work. Here's your you know, misinformation strike or whatever. I was going to give an example of something else. And then I realized by giving the example, we'll get like the strike from YouTube. So, uh, but this is how it works. People get sh shamed into not speaking their mind with this stuff. So uh, we diversify and we're on all these platforms, but, but what happens if all of these outlets are forced to comply with a regulation that by design diminishes, hides, buries content that you wanna see? Uh, because many of you have come up to me and over the years have said, you know, I just learned about True North. Where have you been? And I was like, well, we've been doing this for five years. But people say, I just, I just saw it now. And, and the reason that happens is because someone had a friend share something or someone liked something similar to us on YouTube and saw a recommendation. Say, you know, if you like this, you might like this guy named Harrison Faulkner. You might like this guy named Andrew Lawton. You might like uh, this woman named Candace Malcolm. And those recommendations are directly in the crosshairs under C11 because now that is not going to be authentic. That is going to be government manipulated. And the stakes have never been so high for independent media. We're not going anywhere. We're going to make a point of communicating to all of you directly time and time again. And I, I would just put in a little pitch here. I mean, it's never been more important for you to make sure that you are not beholden to the government regulated algorithm. So if you're not on our mailing list, please, please, please go over to tnc.news and join it now because the one thing yet that they can't control is our ability to reach out to you individually. But uh, with all that out of the way, I am I'm just so excited about this next part of the show here. As you may know, the brainchild, True North is the brainchild of Candace Malcolm, who has been a friend of mine for years. I used to interview her on my old radio show, and she's been on maternity leave, tending to a very important role, but has uh, graciously agreed to sit down with me for a bit of an update on what's happening with True North and the, the grand scheme of things. And who knows what the conversation's going to do. Uh, but it is my great pleasure to uh, talk to Candace Malcolm. Candace, as I just mentioned, you've been tending to a very important role in the last little while. But thanks so much for uh, coming on. Thanks so much, Andrew. It's great to be around True North people again. Great to be on your show. You know, it's kind of funny because right now my baby is with my mom. And my mom is a huge Andrew Lawton <laughs> show fan. So she's going to be watching this later. She's going to be excited that I talked about her. So hi, well, Grandma. Thanks for babysitting. Maybe we need to just start doing like a kids segment on the show. <laughs> just if, if while she's watching, you're, uh, you know, she's also on baby duty. And then uh, we, we get them hooked young. But uh, I, let's just first off just talk completely not related to anything else. But how have you been? Because I know the audience is always asking, you know, like how, how you are and where you are. So uh, we, we, we haven't like kidnapped you. You do exist and you have a life. So how's everything I'm going? I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for people who don't know much about me, I've just had my third child in the last five years. And so most people who run a small business, which True North still is mm -hmm. a small business, uh, they don't have the luxury of something like a maternity leave, right? Maternity leave is kind of for like government bureaucrats to go and take like 18 months or two years. And that's kind of the norm of the standard. God bless those people. Good for them. I think being a mom is the most important role, especially for little kids. But for my first two children, I didn't have as much time to spend with the kids because there's just so much going on with True North, growing the organization, yeah. the, the news cycle never ends, as you know, and particularly, well, actually with both, it's just interesting the way the timing worked. Both of my children were born uh, and then an election happened like six months later. And so the election pulled me back into doing the Candace Welcome Show, running the organization full time, really just quarterbacking everything that was going on. Uh, this time with my third baby Juno, she was born last summer and my 
kind of goal was to just lay low and see what happened. You know, if there was an election that was sprung, I was probably mm -hmm. going to come back into work. But at this point, I, I'm just so pleased that we've assembled such a strong team at True North that I can kind of sit back. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still there making decisions every now and then and still talking to the team on a, on a daily or weekly basis. But I have had the opportunity and it feels like a luxury to me to just be at home with my kids, not just the baby, but the two other ones, because anyone who has kids knows that when you bring a new baby into the mix, the other two, you know, they, they, they want more attention, they want more love. And so I've, I've, I've really enjoyed uh, spending the last, it's been eight months now since my daughter was born, with the kids, with the family, I kind of become a consumer of True North. I was joking at that we just uh, hosted a, a True North retreat, and I was joking that the only reason I know what's going on in Canada is because of your reports and True North emails. Uh, you, you know, you're my only source of news, and I, I'm really enjoying being a, a consumer of that. But but I, I've been I've been great. I've been uh, you know trying to reconnect with um, getting back into shape, my health, eating well. My husband and I are running in the Vancouver Marathon next weekend, so we're uh, I've been training and heading out there after. Um, this weekend. So uh, all said, I, I've been great. And uh, we've just hosted a True North retreat. I feel really energized about the future of this organization. We've got so many bright people, so many exciting up and coming journalists. Uh, obviously, you know, old timers like us, Andrew, uh, <laughs> it, it's great to see young ones uh, come come in and, and eat, well, even just seeing how you've grown in your platform. Your, I think your Twitter following uh, is now Eclipse Mine, which, you know. Uh, oh, I didn't, I, I wasn't checking that. Because uh, <laughs> I was always like thinking, oh, I'm never going to catch Candace. So. Yeah, but you have. I mean, your, your work going to uh, the WEF and exposing the corruption over there, the trucker convoy, everything you've been doing is fantastic. And it's exciting that we have all of these young journalists in their in their you know 20s that are kind of following in our footsteps in yeah. a way and that true north is becoming that so i'm, I'm really excited I, I will be getting back into things in in, in the coming uh, weeks and months here and i'm excited uh, at some point to, to relaunch the candace malcolm show and get back into podcasts i, I should just say because i know we have a lot of uh, true north insiders that are like wait i wasn't invited to this retreat did i miss something no it was just for staff <laughs> uh don't worry you didn't miss anything uh, but again we run a remote operation and we have people all over the country which i think is one of our strengths but there are some people that like you and I have never met in person or maybe have met once. So it was really good uh, to uh, to meet all the colleagues and, and even people that, that work on this show and other stuff. And, and as you mentioned, you left and True North is still here. You didn't just like log on one day and it's just, you know, this dumpster fire that has just you know <laughs> evaporated into the ether. So it is a, a testament to the people that uh, you've cultivated and that we've all worked with here. And uh, the big challenges that we've seen, and this is not at all new, is that there's this hostility to independent media from the government, from the, the legacy media elites. And, but what's interesting is that they're so decreasing in their relevance to people. I mean, you and I have, have talked to people that have come up and, and have said, like kind of what you just said, which is, you know, I only get my news from True North, or, or people that have said, you know, I've been a subscriber to the Globe and Mail, and I've just canceled, and now I'm donating whatever the subscription cost is to, is to True North a month. And I'm, I'm curious where you think we are in, in this, this overarching story of, of, you know, the declining relevance of legacy media and the increasing relevance of independent media. Well, it's interesting, Andrew, because uh, we're, we're here in downtown Toronto. We're at the beautiful Albany Club. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you mentioned that in your intro, but you've got this storied library. I told here. them this was my living room. Oh. Thanks for chattering. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I love this sort of the history of this mm -hmm. club, but just down the street is the location of the former Sun News Network, which yeah. was supposed to be Canada's version of Fox News. They put millions and millions of dollars into this operation, 
and it didn't it didn't get anywhere. To your point that True North still exists, uh, one day at Sun News Network, you just logged on to sunnewsnetwork.com and the, and the website didn't exist anymore, yeah. .ca, the, everything was gone. The, the organization had shut down, and I think that that is sort of a, 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 a lesson for us in media of what can happen when you try to grow too big, when you try to, when you have the wrong strategy in terms of growing. So True North really was born out of the Trudeau government continuing to subsidize yeah. the mainstream media. It went from you know a couple hundred million dollars to CBC to build out CBC.ca and, and have an online presence to all of a sudden bailing out all of these newspapers yeah. and having government-funded journalists. So to the insiders, to the to the people who really pay attention, close attention to Canadian politics and media, uh, that was a big red flag. This this media establishment is beholden to the government. The government is literally paying these journalists yeah. to be in operation. And so I think that you we captured a certain level of Canadians uh, on just on that, that, that we'll never trust the legacy media again and, and, and they're done with that. Uh, but but there's only so so many so much of the population that really pays attention at that level, right? Mm -hmm. There's other major problems with the Canadian media, which is that they're boring, which is that they don't tell good stories, which is that it's all the same. There's this sameness, there's this groupthink mentality. And so I think that the reason that True North continues to grow and, and gain a larger audience and reach more people is because we have a different way, a different approach, a different way of looking at the country, a different way of telling stories, telling the news, a different platforms that we tell these stories on. And so to your sort of more everyday average Canadian, uh, they're just not really getting anything from watching you know, CTV news or reading the Globe and Mail, whereas, you know, when they're on YouTube or they're on Facebook and, you know, they see an episode of Alberta Roundtable or The Andrew Lawton Show, it's compelling, it's interesting, it's fun. We, 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 we're authentic, we're real people. We're not just sort of, like, you know, stiff uh, news readers that are, <laughs> that are uh, sitting at a desk reading a teleprompter. No, we're, we're telling stories and we're yeah. living, this is, our, this is our life. And I think that that, that new approach is, is much more compelling to so many Canadians. And so I think, I think that's a major reason why we continue to grow. That's sort of more of our strategy is to take advantage of these newer uh, platforms and, and master them while the legacy media uh, continues to sort of struggle with their huge operations, so much overhead, really corporate, and, and, and in many ways very out of touch with the real yeah. issues uh, that are facing Canadians. Well, you touched on an important point, though, about the content, because I, I think when new media started to become a, a thing more in the last 10 years, there was this sense in the legacy media companies that the problem was just the format. They, they thought the problem was, well, people need to see it on a website and not in a print newspaper. But they, were, they didn't actually evaluate the content and they, they didn't realize that uh, the issue wasn't just the convenience of access. The issue was that people don't like what's there. Like the, the Toronto Star, I can't remember when it was, they invested millions and millions of dollars in Star Touch, which was they're going to be this revolutionary tablet-based thing. And it just, it ended up just being like a complete floppo. It was like the Betamax, basically. Like it just, it went nowhere because people didn't like the crap they were reading. And they, they like, and that's the thing. Like I'm convinced that True North could have more success than the Toronto Star as a print paper because people like the product. Um, now, obviously, we're not doing that. Not that I know. Maybe we are doing print <laughs> operation, but uh, very, very hipster-esque now. But, but that's, I think, the big thing here is that they have never really reevaluated the audience market fit question, and, and they still try to just preach to people. It's so true. Well, I, I will say I was in a coffee shop the other day, and there was a, a physical copy of the Globe and Mail, and I couldn't help 
pick it up and read it because I'm just like nostalgic that way. I, I still like having a physical paper from time to time, mm -hmm. even though I consume 99. percent Yeah, it. I don't like the crossword apps. Sorry. I like you know the pen and the uh, the crossword page. Yeah, there's some there's something nice about having a, a piece of paper, or to this point, having beautiful mm -hmm. books to read as opposed to I, I read most of my books on Kindle. I get most of my news from tech, but every now and then it's nice to have that throwback. But I I, I, th I think you're right. I think that the problem with the media stems so much deeper uh, than than what they've really uh, established to be their issues. The point with Star Touch. What what an incredible waste of money. I think they spent a hundred million dollars. It's insane. I, I, I don't I don't know if that's exactly. Like, can you like not that we need that, buddy? But can you imagine what we would do? Like we would we would take over the country with a hundred million ideologically. Like I, it's, I think so too. And and again, going back, I don't mean to pick on Sun News Network and the people that were involved in that because they were they were leaders at the time and they had visions and unfortunately didn't work out. But the amount of money that they were spending again on overhead. I, I worked at Sun News Network. I was their director of research uh, for a little while there and so I saw the operation from the inside and it was very very heavy right like we mm -hmm. still operate like a startup to, to your point you know we've been around for five six years now we're not really new and startup-y, mm -hmm. but we have that mentality, that lean mentality. We all, you know, from time to time, we record videos on our phone. We have a small operation. You don't have, like, dozens of researchers and people no. working for you. Although, you know, sometimes it seems that way because you're so <laughs> knowledgeable. But but the idea that we just really run a lean operation, that everyone is kind of either on their own or with one one, one helper setting things up and stuff like that, I think, I think that that mentality is really what's helping us go. And at the other point, you know, all these media organizations, they're all sort of based in, like, the like hoity-toity part of town, yeah. the sort of elite downtown circles, and they have a different way of thinking about the world, of looking at Canadian politics that really differs from people who come from a different walk of life, people who live out in the suburbs or in the rural part. We we just had our True North retreat again for True North staff, right? We got <laughs> everyone together, and we did it out in the country. We didn't we didn't do it in Toronto. We did it you know two hours from here, and we, we rented a farm, and we uh, kind of connected to the people who might be more likely to consume our, our media. And I think it's important to get out there and see what people, how people live, what the issues they face is, as opposed to when you, when you think about the Toronto Star, Globe and Mail, even National Post, CBC, CTV, CP24, you know, these people all live probably within like a 20 block corridor in downtown Toronto, downtown Ottawa, downtown Montreal. And they really don't understand. I mean, the trucker convoy really yeah. painted this picture of like how uncomfortable these sort of elites were when working class, blue collar folks showed up in their neighborhood. They wanted them out. They, yeah. they felt like they were. It was a foreign insurrection. Well, it, Get them out. And yeah. it's like, you know, th these are Canadians too. Let's let's hear them out. Let's, let's yeah. we, we need to be able to speak and understand uh, with those people. Well, and even even a lot of the journalists that you see in smaller town newspapers or local TV and radio stations, they're all people that are from the cities, and that was the job they. God. They went to Ryerson or they went to Carleton. They're from Toronto or Ottawa. They want to get a job in Toronto and Ottawa. But the first job they come up with is this other one. And they're not really connected to those communities. Now, there are exceptions to that, obviously. But but there is, a, a, and to go back to Sun News, one of the things Sun News always did very well was really saying that we're going to cover every election. We're going to cover the PEI election. It may not matter to people out, out in the country, but it, it matters to the country. And I think that was something very important. And True North, I mean, obviously, we, we have a small team. We can't cover every story. Like, people will be like, why are you not covering this city council meeting in Brandon, Manitoba? And I'm like, well, maybe there is something that we should be covering there. But we, we, we don't know unless people tell us. And, and I think relying on our audience is, is so key. And I, I think that's the whole thing. Like, obviously, when I'm doing my show or you're doing your show, we're, it's, it's one way in that moment, mostly. I mean, we have comments. But, but I view it as being 
part of a dialogue with people. It's like I, I get my best material from people that tell me what's happening in their community before I learn about it elsewhere because uh, that's so key and, and you have to listen. Absolutely. I mean, it's sort of, I'll just go back a little bit to my personal example. I started out as an opinion columnist with the Toronto Sun. Mm -hmm. That was the first time I was writing for the newspaper. I didn't start as a reporter and mm -hmm. then moved over to opinion. I started at opinion. What happened was I was writing kind of in-depth fact-based pieces that had an opinion slant, but they were mostly just, this is what's happening mm -hmm. and you might not be aware of it. And as soon as I started taking on that immigration beat, I just got flooded with tips. People were sending me yeah. things that were happening. This, you know, people inside the government, people who were new Canadians, people who, you know, MPs or people who worked in MP offices, and or, or just everyday people who had a story. And it almost became that I was more interested in reporting the news mm. um, than pushing my opinion because I was getting so many tips. And I think that's so key for journalists. And I, it really bothers me. I almost cringe when I see new uh, sort of young up-and-coming journalists who you know turn off their comments on their tweets turn off yeah. comments on their youtube pages you see this a lot with the cbc where they'll put up a controversial yeah, yeah. you know ramming some woke thing down our throat and they don't want to hear about it they don't want to hear what the comments are and you know comment boards can be a little bit contentious they can be a little bit poisonous there's yeah. definitely your fair share of of sort of mean comments but if you can get past some of the mean comments you, you read the comments on any, any post, any Facebook post, YouTube, whatever, you're gonna get feedback, good and bad, and it's important to get that. Sometimes you'll get tips, sometimes people will say, yes, this is a big problem in my community. You'll, you'll get a sense mm -hmm. of whether or not you're, you're heading in the right direction or maybe there's something that you're missing. It's so important to connect with the audience. And I, I, really, I really don't like how so many of the sort of more mainstream fantasy journalists, uh, they just don't wanna hear. It's like, it's like they're on a soapbox, it's a one-way communication, they don't care what the people, the feedback is. And when they do get the feedback, maybe they use it as like a victim, I'm a victim, look at how mean people are. Look, yeah. everybody gets their fair share of mean comments. If you put yourself out there on the internet, people are gonna comment on yeah. it. You, 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 have to, you have to have a bit of thick skin in this industry, just, just in any industry. Uh, but I do think it's very important to make sure that you're connected with the audience, uh, reading the comments, and just, again, understanding what the major issues are. Ken, not the issue that you want to talk about, but the issue that's actually affecting people in this country. Just to, to talk about C-11 for a moment here, I, I was explaining at the beginning, I, I think the Senate failed Canadians, I think the government failed Canadians, I think the CRTC will will fail Canadians here. And I, I think the overarching message is that we're not folding up and going home. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to fight for this, we're going to fight for our audience, and we're going to keep going there. But, but how do you run an internet news company in a climate when the government, the very government we're trying to hold to account, says we need to regulate internet content. I feel like we've been here before and doing this. I mean, you you remember back in the, I think it was the 2019 election when the Liberals wouldn't let yep. you on the bus because yep. they said, Andrew Lawton's not a journalist. Andrew, <laughs> yeah. Andrew Lawton works for an advocacy organization. And we were like, who, who are you to tell us what our profession is, right? And obviously, you, you're a long-time yeah. radio host. Like, the yeah. idea that you're... Who had interviewed Justin Trudeau before? They didn't have any... I guess I, he came off so poorly in that interview, they never wanted to let me near him again. <laughs> yeah, but but you, you, see, you saw this sort of attitude, this bullying attitude that mm -hmm. does exist within the government, the more that they're in power, the more, you know, power corrupts them. And, you know, that was, that was 
five years, four or five years ago. Now I think they've gotten much worse. Now we saw a recent story that the, uh, the PMO was trying to contact, I think it was Twitter and Facebook, to get a Toronto Sun story removed because they... Yeah, Lauren Gunter, the Edmonton Sun. Yeah, yeah Edmonton yeah. Sun, yeah. Uh, because they didn't agree with one of the things that he had said about the immigration system. Uh, so you already have a incredibly bullying Prime Minister's yeah. office who believes they're, they're so, they're, they're so self-righteous that they believe that they have this power and they have this right uh, to mm -hmm. bully and boss around the tech companies to tell them what Canadians can and cannot say. It's the same mentality that told them that we, we can decide who is and who isn't a journalist. So we know that they have this attitude. And the idea that like, we have these tech companies in Silicon Valley that are already woke, that are already left. I mean, Twitter's getting better with Elon Musk, but we, we know the people who run the, 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 the individual uh, platforms have this left-wing perspective. They're, the algorithm is already sometimes stacked against us. We don't know why one YouTube video did really well and one didn't. The idea that you would have another layer on top of that, these, these self-righteous liberals who believe that they are, you know, like appointed by God to decide what Canadians can and cannot see, it's, it's dangerous, it's scary. And we absolutely have to unite and fight against this. I think that we need to start reaching more people who aren't necessarily interested in the political side of things, uh, but they enjoy YouTube for other things, watching fitness videos, cooking videos, kids videos, all this stuff, it's all going to be manipulated turning into something like a propaganda arm. It's, it's, it's really a serious issue. I don't think that we can trust this government or any government to have that kind of control. So it's, it's absolutely paramount, Andrew, that we continue to fight against this, this bill. Well, I remember when net neutrality uh, was the big argument in the U.S., which I won't bore people with the details whether they haven't followed it, but largely it was the left that was really trying to push back against it. And their, their sort of belief was that you needed government to sort of pull the levers and prevent private companies from doing things. And I'm sort of in a very weird place on this because I, I don't like a lot of big tech companies. I, I don't like big government. And it's like, well... I'm kind of siding with big tech over big government. And the worst is when the two are, are really operating in lockstep, which is what Bill C-11 forces. Right. And no, it's it's definitely the, the worst of both worlds. And the idea that, oh, well, the free market will, will, will sort of new new tech companies maybe will come up and, and compete. Maybe we're kind of seeing that with, with Twitter and Elon mm -hmm. kind of having yeah. a, a rogue kind of maverick perspective. Uh, but I just, I don't trust any anyone in the prime minister's office to be making those kind of decisions. I don't think Canadians want the government uh, to be involved in regulating the internet. The whole joy of the internet is yeah. it's this sort of place that we don't have to sit and be subject to CRTC rules. Can you imagine if you are creating a playlist to work out and uh, the music, <laughs> okay, uh, playlist to go, I don't know, go for a walk. No, I wasn't laughing at working out, I'm laughing at the premise, but thank you for that. Okay, well, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what you do. You yeah. go, go walk your dogs or go, yeah. go sit in the library and read, you're, you're creating a playlist. Uh, Mozart and Bach, uh, sorry, Mozart and Bach. Yeah. I don't know what you listen to. That's yeah. what I assume you do. But, um, and, and, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this playlist doesn't have enough Canadian yeah. content. You have to like insert some Canadian <laughs> yeah. music in there. I'm, yeah, throw some Bieber in there with your Mozart. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I, just, I just think that so many Canadians would cringe at that idea that they would have to do that, that, yeah. that, their, that the playlist would have to have Canadian content and, and a heading in that direction. It's, it's not something that anyone would get behind. I, I mean, I just, I, I can't imagine who would. So again, <clears throat> we need to do everything that we can and it's funny, Andrew, because in some ways, maybe True North would even benefit because we are a Canadian news Well, company. yeah. That, I mean, I, I sort of made that point a while ago of like, you know, I don't think the government will pass a bill that will elevate True North and Rebel and the Western Standard and stuff like that. But in theory, 
we're as Canadian as it comes. Right, but then at the same time, do you want the government, I don't trust no, these I, government no. bureaucrats yeah. to be making those decisions. <laughs> and so even even if True North in, in an imaginary world would really benefit, say it was a Pierre Polyev government, mm. and he was the one saying, okay, I'm gonna choose which Canadian companies get more algorithm, it would mean that we got three times as much exposure. I would still be opposed to it because yeah. I don't think yeah. that a government should have that power. I don't even really know how the tech behind it would work, it will probably make it slower and worse and sluggish. And so just this whole idea that government has to be involved in every aspect, that government knows best that these that these busybody political staffers in Justin Trudeau's office uh, get to decide what we listen to, I, I, th I think it's something that most Canadians should uh, just by default oppose. I don't, I don't know if the left uh, is, is on the same page. I, I know that every conservative I talk to is really opposed to it, but uh, I, I I want people to start fighting against it, and I am proud of the work True North is doing. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, giving us this platform that we all get to uh, engage on, and, and thanks for coming back on the show. I, I know we'll be welcoming you back uh, in the near future, but it's always good to see you again. Oh, thank you so much, Andrew. It's great to great to be a guest on the show. I know I know my, my mom is going to be really excited to watch the episodes. <laughs> Let's get your mom on the show. We'll talk to <laughs> we'll, part of our Real People series. So, there you go. Uh, listening to the audience. Well, I thank you so much for that, and thank all of you for tuning in as well. Uh, as mentioned, it's never been more important to support the work that independent media is doing, and you can do that by heading over to donate.tnc.news. Maybe this will be the uh, the living room of the Andrew Lawton Show if you donate enough, but I assure you that's not what your money goes towards. So uh, thank you, all of you. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. We'll be back next week. Uh, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.